I do want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, we are doing a four-week series in Psalm 23. We started, uh, this is our third uh, sermon in this psalm, just six verses, a very familiar psalm uh, to you, uh, one that uh, even if you have not had a lot of church background, you've probably heard Psalm 23 quoted at some point uh, in your life. Uh, But it's one of those psalms that's so familiar that sometimes we don't understand its depths, right? Something can be so familiar to us that, that we really, we just kind of know it's there and know what it says, but really, uh, I think it's been helpful. It's been helpful for me to really just slow down and, and walk through this very familiar psalm together as we consider, uh, consider what it has to teach us and instruct us as uh, God's people. Psalm 23, we're gonna specifically be looking at verse four today. Verse four, if you've not caught that in the theme of our songs today, then this is going to reinforce even what we've been singing, or shall I say what we've been singing certainly has reinforced what God's word has to tell us in verse four today. Psalm 23, let's read the entire psalm. Let's stand together, honor the reading of God's word as we hear from Psalm 23. This is the Lord's inspired word. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would now lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Even as we consider the valley of the shadow of death today, Father, would you remind us that you have provided everything we need so that we need not fear, and so that we can be comforted. God, would you help us see that and help us to live with that confidence today? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When you think about a valley, most of the time we think about a very beautiful, scenic place. Five years ago, it's hard to believe, five years ago, my family moved here to Southern uh, Maryland and we moved from a valley. It was a beautiful valley between the Appalachian Mountains, not Appalachian, Appalachian Mountains, right? We get that straight today. It's the Appalachian Mountains there. And, and so we lived in this beautiful scenic valley that just had these rolling hills. It was everything you thought a valley should be green farmland, those broken down barns that people actually wanna take pictures of, all that's there. Beautiful springs, gorgeous valley. Many of you have even traveled on Interstate 64 when you are approaching Charlottesville, Virginia, and you you round the, the, the top of that mountain and then you begin to come down close to Charlottesville and you look off to the right, that beautiful valley I mean, have you, have, you, have you seen that? Am I the only one? You, there's some pull-offs there. You can actually see, and it's just beautiful, beautiful valley. It's what we often think about when we think about valleys. But not all valleys are created equal. 
Some valleys aren't very wide and some aren't necessarily stunning displays of beauty. Some valleys are narrow, rocky, and dark, more canyon-like or ravine-like. And oftentimes these kinds of valleys are very dangerous places to live because of the, the steep mountainsides and the, the route that you would have to take to get into them and to get out of them. Well, as David penned this psalm, it's likely that second kind of valley that he has in mind when he is writing Psalm 23. Many valleys in Palestine would be much more narrow, much more rocky and canyon-like than the beautiful green lush valleys in our imaginations and books. Oftentimes as a shepherd in Palestine, they would have to lead their flocks of sheep through these narrow valleys, these narrow rocky ravines or canyons, not Grand Canyon, but canyon type valleys in order to take their flock from one pasture to another, these shepherds would have to navigate these deep valleys, often marked by dangerous animals lurking in the darkness to pounce on the sheep when they would come by. And David was a shepherd. He knew what it was like to take sheep through these kinds of valleys. And as he's reflecting back upon his experience as a shepherd and now looking to God as his shepherd, he's using this, this picture, if you will, to help us understand something that God does. It's this picture of a dark, deep, and dangerous type of valley that David is reflecting on here as he, as he thinks about his experience as a shepherd, and then it's as if he concludes, and so life is marked by these kinds of valleys. You know, things are fine as long as you're on top of a hill or a mountain looking down into the valley. And that's where we like to be. But it's oftentimes in the midst of that valley, it's oftentimes in the, 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 the depths and the darkness and the dangers of these valleys that we experience quite a different reality. Psalm 23 verse four is a text that has comforted many, many people. It has brought many, many people through long, difficult valleys. And it has everything we need to know about experiencing and navigating these valleys, specifically as he talks about the valley of the shadow of death. And through David's own experience and testimony, what we're going to see and consider here today is how we must approach the valleys and the valley of the shadow of death in order to navigate life. Two simple points today. We're gonna to talk about preparing for the valley and walking through the valley. Preparing for the valley and walking through the valley. Let's begin by looking at preparing for the valley. You know, this particular verse, as I said, has served many people. It has comforted many a believer as even they have, as they have walked on the verge of death. And indeed, many people, many people have been carried to the shore of heaven having this verse uh, resounding in their ear and being, being comforted by it, and rightly so. However, this verse is here to serve many other saints who aren't necessarily on the verge of death. This is not just a verse you bring out 
when time is short. As we will see, David is talking here to the Lord and he's talking through his own experience and he's not yet dead. He's been through many experiences that he may have thought that was coming close, that death was looming nearby. But, but he says here, notice he even says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't refer to it as the valley of death, but the valley of the shadow of death. Quite a difference. So David knew much about these dangerous valleys from his shepherding experience, but now he uses it to, to speak of the own realities and experiences that he had in life. Just as a shepherd will often lead sheep through these dark and dangerous valleys so that they can get to better pasture, so God will often lead his sheep through valleys, even the valley of the shadow of death, to get them to better pastures. So when we think about the valley of the shadow of death, many times we, we think about death, don't we? We think about that this is, this is close to dying, we're close to death, and so the valley of the shadow of death, but, but it was simply a way for David to refer to threats and dangers and trials and discouragements and difficulties that we face in life. Many times, that, that could very likely lead to death, but he's using it as a, as a statement here. In, it's, not less than, it's no less than death, but it certainly includes much more. It includes, it includes much more than just being on the verge of death, not necessarily strictly death itself. You might be in situations where death might loom over you, but not actually overtake you. Or maybe you're in situations where you would just, you would welcome death at that point. Things have grown so difficult. Two things in, that we need to keep in mind about the valleys that we encounter, the valley of the shadow of death. One truth is this, valleys are unavoidable. David writes, even though I walk through the valley, he doesn't say, though I might walk, or if I happen to walk through a valley. He says, even though I walk, he, he, even though I walk through the valley, David speaks out of his own experience because he's been through many a circumstance and many a situation where his, his life had been threatened. The temptations and the trials that he had endured demonstrated just his own experience that the valley of the shadow of death was unavoidable. And certainly, even if we apply it to literal death, all of us face death, right? There's two things in life that are promised, taxes and death, unless Jesus comes back before I like what the Presbyterian James Montgomery Boyce said. He said, the valley of the shadow of death is as much God's path for us as the green pastures. The valley of the shadow of death is as much God's right path for us as is the green pastures. Friends, when we think about the valley of the shadow of death or the valleys that we go through in life, valleys aren't random, nor are they without God's knowledge. In fact, he often leads us through valleys and it's one of the ways that God will refine his people and, and conform his people to be more and more like Jesus. On our own, we would not go to the valley, wouldn't we? No, we, we much prefer the mountaintop experience where we can look down and enjoy the bliss. But God will often take his sheep through these valleys because he knows what lies on the other side is much better for them had they remained where they were. We don't, talk, we don't like to talk about the valley of the shadow of death too much. We, we prefer that hilltop or mountaintop experience. But friends, this side of heaven, 
this side of heaven, it is, it is not realistic to think that we can always live outside of the valley. Until we are brought home to heaven, there will always be valleys for us to navigate and the valley of the shadow of death that, that, that God uses to bring us closer to him. They're unavoidable. You can't, you can't navigate life without going through the valley. Two, second truth. Although they're unavoidable, valleys are temporary. Valleys are temporary. Notice David says, though I walk through the valley. He did not say, even though I live in the valley, even though I can't escape the valley, even though I'm permanently stuck in the valley, he says, even though I walk through the valley. Walking through means you're not staying, right? There's no mention here of stopping or even perishing in the valley. Now, even though some valleys are larger and take longer to navigate, all of them are temporary because they are not our final destination. Well, the Bible addresses the reality and even the necessity of call them valleys or trials or difficulties or struggles. It also speaks to their brevity. First Peter 1.6 says, In this you rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and following, he says, So we do not lose hearts. That is the, the, the promise, the hope of the Christian. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. And then he says this, for this slight and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Notice he says that the afflictions that we endure are slight and momentary. They're slight and momentary. Peter says, though for a little while, trials in which we face, even though they may, may feel like in the moment that they are lasting forever and ever, the Bible clearly says they are slight and momentary when compared to eternity. You see, there we see that trials are not only slight, and momentary, they are also preparatory. They, they prepare us, they, they serve us in a way. They, they, they're used, and we'll see this later on in the, in the fall when we get to the book of James, how they draw us closer to the shepherd. You know, it's, it's, it's not until we've walked with God through certain valleys and difficulty, the valley of the shadow of death, that we find Oftentimes, it's not until we walked with God through these valleys that we find an increasing joy and refreshment in Him. Because what valleys often do is they drive us to the provision of the shepherd so that we cling to Him and we know Him all the better. They draw us closer. The, the valleys will enable us to minister to others who are also walking through the valley of the shadow of death. So many things that it does, it serves us in that way. But the, listen, the, the point we're making here is that the valley is not your destination. It is not your ultimate destination. It's, it's, it's like those, those flights in between, right? When you're going from one destination to the other and you have a layover. Valleys are much like a layover. Some longer than others. Some more challenging than others. Some more trying than others. 
Sometimes you even get a free flight out of them, right? But sometimes they're quite difficult. And just remember that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're walking through it. We're not stuck in it. Valleys will actually serve us. So we need to prepare for them. We need to have the right perspective, a God-centered understanding of what the valley of the shadow of death is. And, and we need to know that, that the Lord is shepherding us through that valley, which leads me to the second truth. The second point observation this morning is when we consider what it's like to walk through the valley, walking through the valley. Again, David here refers to walking. He, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the, the term walk is, is a term in the Bible that's often used to represent the course of one's life. So David is, is just saying even that through the course of life, there will be the valley of the shadow of death. So if it's true that we must all walk through valleys, the valley of the shadow of death, difficulty and hardship, and ultimately death itself. How ought we to approach the valley? I think that we're told here two things that we can remember, the two things that we're instructed through David's own experience. Number one is that we walk through the valley with confidence. We walk through the valley with confidence. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This confidence that's coming out of David's heart and, and mouth and, and pen here. Notice, by the way, that David's use of pronouns have shifted from the third person now in verse four to the second. In verses one through three, he wrote of God that he makes me lie down, he leads me, he restores. But now in verse four and five, David shifts to the second person and makes his comments much more personal. He says, you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. As David, as David reflects upon the truth of God's care and the truth of God's provision, he's speaking from his own experience and it's as if now, as he's thinking about these truths, he, he, he can't help but, but speak a word of testimony here. He actually believes this about God because he's been in the deep dark valley of the shadow of death and he knows that God will provide for him. One person put it this way in making the distinction between third and the second person here, the, the use of the he to you, he said, we're more prone to talk about God when we are in the green pastures and more prone to talk to God when we're in the dangerous ravine. That's so helpful. We're more prone to talk about God when we're in the green pastures and things seem to be going well. We're, we're talking about him. We're talking truth about him. But it's when we're in the valley that we're more prone to talk to him directly. That's exactly what we see happening here in verse four. The writer goes on to say, in the light, we are prone to wander off in pursuit of greener grass, but in the dark, we hug his knee. You know, my, uh, as a parent, one of the things that we have experienced is especially some of our little kids and sometimes not such our little kids, but sometimes our, our kids, our, our little ones, are afraid to go into another room when it's dark. And especially if we're talking multiple levels, you know, we, we have one or two right now that they won't even go upstairs by themselves. Dad, it's dark. 
or out into a garage area, or you know, they, they wanna be close by where mom or dad is. And even if it remains dark, even if I were to, to accompany them out into the darkness of, the, of, of outside or out into a garage or even to upstairs before we can turn a light on, that's enough because they know I'm with them. Dare not do that on their own, but they, they seem satisfied when, when mom or dad comes alongside of them and accompanies them into that dark room and everything seems better. The fears are subsided and things seem much more comfortable. It's enough for them to simply know that we are present. Even though I walk through the valley, David says, I will fear no evil. Notice that David does not conclude that there will be no evil. Rather, he says, I will fear no evil. Now fear is a, is a common emotion and reaction that we all have based upon certain circumstances and life experiences. We, we, we have all kinds of phobias, all kinds of fears out there. Fear of disease, fear of terrorism, fear of job loss, fear, fear of financial strain, fear of death, and on and on we could go. There'd be many opportunities for us to fear in life. Remember back in the 90s or whenever it was, when I was growing up, the, there was a fad, you know, the, the shirts that would say no fear and they would give all these reasons as to why you would have no fear. But the truth is, is that we all have fears. There are gonna be many opportunities, perhaps even this day, even this week, that you will be prone to fear. But one of the refrains we find in the Bible repeated countless times is the phrase, fear not. Fear not. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David says, I will fear no evil. David reminds us that even though the valley might prove difficult, the valley might prove dangerous and, and, and a struggle, challenging times, even afflict, afflictions awaiting us, that we need not fear evil. Listen, no matter what you and I face in this life, no matter how bad it gets, we, no, no matter how bad it gets in this life, we are kept secure in the hand of the good shepherd. Evil cannot and will not triumph over you. If you are in Christ, if you are a, a sheep, if you're following the good shepherd, evil cannot and will not overtake you. That is the promise that we have. It doesn't mean that we won't face evil. It doesn't mean that we won't be kept from evil, but it cannot overtake you. Again, I love what Spurgeon once said. He said, it should be enough for believers to know that Christ is with them. We walk through the valley with confidence, but we also walk with provision. David says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So in addition to David's confession of, I will fear no evil, he was able to acknowledge the hand of God's comfort. He makes reference here to a rod and a staff. So I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now shepherds in David's day and time would carry typically two pieces of equipment, 
probably more, but we know that, that they had at least these two pieces of equipment when they were out tending to their sheep. They would have a rod and a, they would have a staff. The rod was a, a, a club-like stick they would use to beat off the wild animals. Right, just get that in your mind. Like a two foot, three foot stick that they would beat the wild animals with. Not your pet at home, wild things that wanted to do you harm. Right, they, that, that's what they would use that rod for. It was, a, it was a stick for defense, to defend them, to defend their sheep. You know, and I was thinking about that. I, you, you had to be careful with sanctified imagination, right? I'm just thinking of God with a big stick, daring the evil one to come to us. His rod comforts. Sometimes shepherds would use the rod even to discipline the sheep. And oftentimes God will use that rod to discipline his wayward sheep, to come alongside of them and bring them back into the fold. There's also the staff, a long slender stick. Most of us understand what we're, when we hear the word staff, we think of a shepherd with the staff, the long slender stick with a crook or a hook at the top. And shepherds would use these for several different reasons. They would oftentimes, if a, if a newborn lamb had been separated from its mother in the, in the midst of the flock, they would often use the, the, the end of that to, to, to gently lift the newborn lamb up and bring it to its mother after it had been separated. Oftentimes, shepherds would use this staff to reach out and, and catch individual sheep to bring them closer for inspection, right? So just imagine what that looks like, around the neck and brought near to the shepherd, so that he could tend to them and care for them in more specific ways. And oftentimes, as they are moving, and here in light of the valley, as they're moving from one location to other, he would often use the, the staff just to gently lay it on the side of a sheep to keep them going the right direction. Just a simple touch of that staff would, would, would keep them in line and keep them moving in a right way. And in like fashion, we're told here that God comforts us through his rod and staff. God protects. So a couple of things to break down. Number one, we are equipped with God's protection. We're equipped with God's protection. David's reference of, to the rod here is a reminder that God protects us. He protects us from those who would want to do us harm, those who would want to injure us, those who would want to cause us great, great um, difficulty, and he will often use the rod to protect us from ourselves. So God uses the rod. As we think about that picture, he, we're equipped with God's protection. It, it does not mean that we will be kept from every harmful situation. But it does mean that those kinds of situations cannot ultimately do us in. God is faithful to protect us. God's told us that time and time again. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In this world, you're going to have difficulty and pain and, and trial and stress and anxiety, but take heart. Paul said, we do not lose heart. Jesus says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. There is no valley, there is no predator in that valley, there is no difficulty in the valley that can ultimately afflict you to the point of no return. God protects us. 
First John 4, 4, we're reminded that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're equipped with God's protection. Number two, we're equipped with God's support. The staff is a reminder that God supports us. He upholds us. He carefully tends to and guides us. And just as a shepherd will often use a staff to gently draw us closer to him, God will often do that for us. He knows his sheep by name. He knows us and he cares for us. Even though there will be many times when, when the pressure and the anxiety is high, we can still trust the steady care of the shepherd as he comforts, as he protects. Our tendency, our tendency is to respond to life, to respond to the valley of the shadow of death at the moment in how we feel. It feels hard. It feels painful. It feels like nothing is going to change. It, it, and we get overwhelmed by, by the feeling of the moment. It's easy to be overwhelmed by the dark and ragged cliffs and the wild animals of the valley instead of looking to the provision of the shepherd. So imagine the, the sheep going through this dangerous valley to, to the other side and the sheep are more anxious and, and troubled because of what they see around them instead of looking right there to the shepherd that's that's walking beside them. Friends, we, we, meet, we need to be reminded day after day after day that we need to look to the shepherd and not the valley. Great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of his famous quotes, said, most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself. We often listen to ourselves because what we will often be doing is looking around and, 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 and we're worried, we're fretting, we're anxious, we're troubled, we don't know what to do and we're listening to all of that instead of talking to ourselves about the truth of who our shepherd is. It's okay to talk to yourself, but talk truth. Talk truth to yourself. Friends, we need to reinforce in our own hearts what is true regardless of how we might feel, right? If you were to go just, ba feelings are important, but they're not ultimate. If you are to live life just based upon how you feel for the moment, that's not always going to lead you to the right place. But if you were to live life, regardless of how you feel, based upon the truth of who our shepherd is, friends, what a much better place to be. Think often about God's provision. I'm gonna give you just, you know, as I thought about this verse, I thought, what, what, could we, what could we say in terms of application? We, we, we've already, I think, just said enough just to be reminded that, that we're to, to, to be confident and comforted by, by God's provision. But there, there are five things that I just want to leave with you as, as, as pieces of application, and then you take these and flesh them out in your own life. Because all of us, when we think about the valley of the shadow of death, that's going to come ultimately in the form of death for all of us, barring Jesus doesn't come back first. But all of our experiences are different. And what may feel for you like a dark, trying, lonesome valley may be smooth sailing for someone else. It would be hard to try to, to bring all of our life's experience to bear, but you just take these and, and apply them to your own situation. Number one, I think we need to see the valley of the shadow of death as an opportunity 
not as something to avoid. You need to see it as an opportunity. Look at these valleys, not as something to avoid at all costs, but as opportunities to grow closer to the shepherd. Remember that God has only your good in mind. That the valleys are part of the pathways of righteousness. Number two, acknowledge your fears and do that specifically. Take your fears to the Lord specifically. Get them out on the table. Newsflash, he already knows them. But as you're dealing with them specifically out on the table before the Lord, what that's helping you to do is to trust God in that specific instance, in that specific fear. And it helps you also to repent of sinful fear, which many of our fears are, simply a lack of trusting God's sovereign hand. Acknowledge your fears to the Lord. Acknowledge them to others. Number three, encourage other sheep who are in the valley of the shadow of death. One of the things that that we're reminded is when we walk through certain things in life, we can be used by the Lord to encourage others. It may be that you're in the same valley together and you're just looking over to the other sheep and saying, shepherd's got our back, we're in this together. Or it may be that you're already on the other side and now you're seeing them come through and you're like, hey, there's hope. That will end. Keep looking to the shepherd because he knows his way through. Encourage other sheep. Number four, remind ourselves what is true. It's oftentimes that we, in the midst of the valley, that, that we forget that the shepherd's there. We, we sometimes think that God just kind of puts us through. He puts us through the valley. He just kind of turns us loose and says, I'll see you on the other side. Hope it all ends well. Hope you, I hope I see all of you. That's not how God works. He's omnipresent, right? Let's bring some doctrine to bear on this truth. God's omnipresent. He's with us in the valley. He's walking with us through that. He doesn't leave us. Remind ourselves of what is true because what will happen is our flesh and the world around us will want to take us away from that truth. Number five, we need to rest in God's protection and support. Pursue those places where he offers you those things. In his word, among his people, rest in God's protection and support. See how God has provided his rod and his staff how he comes alongside of his sheep. Friends, maybe you find yourself downcast or troubled today. Maybe you feel the dangers and darkness of the valley of the shadow of death. But know this, friends, know this. Know that your good shepherd knows his way perfectly through that valley. He knows his way perfectly through the valley and you can trust him, you can trust him. And even though it might be hard and overwhelming, know that he will see you safely through. Brothers and sisters, what awaits you on the other side is far greater than you will ever imagine. You see, we can trust God through the valley of the shadow of death because Jesus, walked through the valley of the shadow of death for sinners because of what he suffered in the dark moments of his own life, even when he hung on the cross and was forsaken by his own father 
so that the full wrath and judgment of God would rest upon his shoulders so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could have everlasting hope. Jesus walked through the valley of all valleys. He walked through the darkest of darkness. He walked through it all so that you and I could trust his capable, perfect hands as we walk through our valleys because he's endured the greatest of valleys for the sake of sinners so that you can have hope. And friend, if you're here today and you have no idea what we're talking about, know this, that God loves sinners so much. He loves us so much that he was willing to give his only son, his only son, perfect and righteous lamb, be led through the valley of this earth as he took the form of a man, lived a life of perfection, and ultimately went to death on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. And friend, if you do not know Christ as your good shepherd and as your savior, the hope that we have is that if you would look to him, quit trusting in yourself, quit trusting in the world, quit trusting in your own good works, and if you would trust in his perfect provision, your sins would be forgiven and you would have everlasting life. And you will have a good shepherd that will lead you home he will lead you even through the valley of the shadow of death. And you will be able to say, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is present with his sheep in and through the valley. Praise his name. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we thank you for this Psalm that you inspired David to write. Father, it's true that it does bring us comfort. It brings us hope. It reminds us, Lord, that our lives are, are, are firmly held in your capable hands. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can say with confidence, I will fear no evil. Not even Satan himself can overwhelm us or overcome us because you, Lord, you, Lord Jesus, have crushed his head. You've crushed his head, you've put an end to his work. God, would you help us to see you for who you are? Would you help us to cling to you as our good shepherd? And when we have failed to do so, Lord, would you rebuke us? Father, I pray for these brothers and sisters here today. I, th I thank you for this gathering men, women, boys, and girls here, and I pray, God, that I, I pray that we would all be able to leave here saying Psalm 23, verse four, with the absolute confidence that you give. And Father, if we're not able to do that, if for some reason we're lingering and we're, we're wondering, Father, I pray that we would be able to, to talk with someone today, that we would be able to be encouraged Father, you know where we are. You know whether or not we're in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. You know if we've just come out of that. You, you know, Lord, if, if we are preparing to go in it. Lord, you know all about us because you are over all things and you know all things. But Father, wherever we find ourselves today, Lord, would, be, would we be reminded that you are a good shepherd 
and that you do not forsake your sheep, even in the valley. But God, you hold us fast in your faithfulness. Thank you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.